Welcome. This is Talking Cannabis with Clarissa, a fun podcast show that talks about cannabis news, education, safety, and the cannabis. My name is Clarissa Strohmeyer, an international speaker, consultant, and founder of Ganjali.com, a cannabis news site. If you're interested in building a cannabis brand, cannabis investing, cannabis products, trends, and cannabis secrets, then this podcast is for you. Hi, this is Clarissa from Ganjli, and today we have Paul Botto. He is the co-founder and president of Lucid Green, and previously he was the former head of analytic sales and consulting um, at Google, uh, a general manager of Visible Measure Analy- Measures Analytics and the founding member of Condus. So hi, Paul. Hi, Clarissa. How are you? Good. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you. Okay, so I'm very thankful that you're here and our audience would like to know what were the past trends in cannabis that you that you have seen um, in 2022? Uh, well, it's a new industry, right? So there was a lot that needed to be done. And um, one of the interesting things with the cannabis world is not only was it a new industry, but with it being federally illegal still, you had a lot of the legacy players reluctant to enter the market. So it was a very challenging um, set of factors for for operators in cannabis. You couldn't just go and buy off the shelf an ERP or a POS that has been built and vetted for 40 years, right? Um, So you had all of these new entrants come in to fill those gaps, and it takes a little bit of time for these new entrants to build these platforms out. So a lot of these platforms are maturing and part of that maturation process is the integration between those systems. So one of the you know great things about ERPs that have been around for 40 years is they've got connections to all the things that you need to connect to. Um, if you just built one four years ago, you might not have all of those things, right? So. I think what we're seeing is we're finally getting some of those connections and some of that communication and data transfer is becoming a little bit easier for brands to manage uh, and allowing the industry to work more efficiently. Um, You know, you've got QR codes everywhere. That's one very cool technological advancement that hits close to home for us. Um, If there's one good thing that um, COVID gave us, everybody knows how to scan a QR code now. Um, Even the old people. Right. If you wanted to, you know, eat at a restaurant anytime in the past two or three years. So, um, you know, what's cool is these QR codes have been rampant everywhere else in the world, right? You go to, to, to Asia and, you know, Five years ago, you could buy a Coke at a Coke machine by scanning a QR code, right? Um, and you know, I think in China, they 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 traded a trillion dollars in like 2018 using QR codes. And in the US, it just, it, it really lagged behind for a number of reasons. But um, I, one of the exciting things um, for us, and I think for, for consumers in general, is the immediate access to information that QR codes can provide um, or actions. Um, And so having these triggers on cannabis packaging, having them on a shelf where you can learn about 
what's on that shelf or having them on the front of a uh, dispensary to validate whether this is a legal licensed dispensary or not. Um, you know, that, that, that QR code technology is another thing that's really advanced uh, in the, in, in 2022. Um, I think, you know, boy, there's a, there's an awful lot. Um, the, um, uh, the proliferation of um, online menus in cannabis, where you have this um, place where people can go and get a, a kind of a universal view about a brand and its products. Um, I think that that's a very big step for consumers, being able to find the right information and have it be consistent. Uh, one of the things that um, our product contributes to is providing a conduit for brands to provide uh, information about their products. This is what this product is. This is how we built it. This is you know, what you should know about it, why we built it this way. Uh, and those things, that information can be included in these live menus and shared across different dispensaries and even different markets so that it's consistent for consumers. So a lot, a lot has gone on. Well, another thing that I appreciated is that when you scan a QR code, you know, like, where was this manufactured? What mm -hmm. is the um, certificate of analysis of yep. this QR code? So people nowadays are very health conscious. So mm -hmm. like, is it organic farming? You know, like, um, how was it produced? And then the QR code does that. That's right. And, you know, here's an example of one. I just happen to have one sitting here. So for a consumer to scan that code, you know, they could find out virtually anything that the brand would like them to know, right? And so a brand can use this as part of their market positioning, uh, but also just part of making sure that consumers are able to get the best possible experience from their product. So you could deliver all that information that makes me feel good about having bought this product. So it was grown responsibly. It was grown with environmental consciousness and, you know, um, workers paid uh, a, a living wage. Uh, all of that information could be delivered through this code, but also here's the certificate of analysis, like you said. And one step beyond that is this product authentication has been validated. This is what you think it is. It's actually a product from this brand, which is a big problem in, in a lot of markets. Um, if you walk down the street in New York City right now, you'll see brands on shelf that do not operate in the state of New York. Wow. Cabinets filled with brands that do not operate in the state of New York. How does that happen? Wow. Right. So yeah. that is counterfeit product. And yes. one of the interesting things about these codes is not only can you eliminate counterfeit product from entering the market, but for a brand who's dealing with counterfeit activity, they can ascertain is this actually our product? that was bought in another market and brought into New York? Or is it fake product where they copied our packaging and they put whatever they put inside? Uh, okay. So there, there are many layers to this. And um, you know, another really interesting thing for the consumer side is I've got all this reassurance. I know it's been grown responsibly, what have you. Um, I know that it's authentic. The brand can then deliver dosage guidance. So, hey, if you're a new consumer, eat a half of one of these gummies first. Wait, you know, an hour. 
before you have the next one and then, you know, move on up, right? So there's a, a way to deliver um, an, an experience to consumers that not only endears them to your brand, but make sure that they get the best chance of having the right experience with yeah. your products, you know, because it could just take one mistake and then your consumer through no fault of your own as a brand doesn't want to buy your product anymore because they ate too many gummies. <laughs> you know, now they don't like your brand. So you're like, hang on a second before you scarf down five of those things, take your time. You know, if, if you're uh, an experienced user, you might know your dose and then you can follow the dosage guidance accordingly. Yes, uh, that's what I noticed too is I, I one of the things with the QR code is that I feel good when I buy it. So there's an assurance and also like I feel safe from consuming it. And I think that's the uh, one of the important things because one of the person on our Twitter channel just messaged me like, hey, you know, my boyfriend bought bad um, weed laced with something oh and is gosh. in the like is is critical it what was in the emergency room I'm like oh my god that, that that's so that's so dangerous yeah yeah no it's it's um uh it, when when we think back um a couple of years to if you remember the vape scare right I don't know if you recall that but yes yes um I'm sure you do the um that was largely because of counterfeit product. So you had brands who were responsibly packaging, testing, and putting their products out there where um, then you had these uh, uh, illicit players making counterfeit product um, using ingredients that were adversely affecting users. So as they explored the cause of the vape scare, they discovered that it was largely illicit product that was causing people to, you know, to, to have trouble breathing and, and, and go into the hospital and so forth. So uh, we actually got a lot of, of brand customers coming to us as a result of that um, vape scare, because, you know, you go on Alibaba and you could buy the packaging and the exact vape cart for a whole number of of really popular brands. So like any old counterfeiter, somebody maybe has never even considered it before. They buy the product uh, packaging, they buy the vape cart, they fill it with whatever they want. And that's really dangerous for a brand, obviously. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of our brands came along as a result of, of that one event. So there's no way for, for us to, you know, stop Alibaba from selling those uh, packaging, is there? There are ways to do it. So some of our partners have um, services that they've hired that go through Alibaba, look at results, they do image matching, and they do all sorts of things. But as fast as you take that stuff down, it you know gets put back up there. And they're getting creative with it. So instead of putting the brand name that they're copying, they'll put you know some generic name. But to the trained eye, you know that that is you know, cookies packaging, or that is uh, cure leaf packaging, whatever it might be. So um, it, it, there are methods to, 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 to try to quell the rising tide of counterfeit packaging out there. Uh, but we are one of, I think, the key methods to make sure that the consumers know. And if you can't sell this stuff, it's not worth it to the counterfeiter to go and do it. So the benefits that services like we provide are 
if you can't sell it, why bother, right? Uh, exactly. So if we can shut these things down, if we can alert consumers to the fact that, hey, no, 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 don't buy this. This is not uh, authentic product. Uh, then, you know, maybe they'll go elsewhere. And so are you seeing the same thing uh, to 2023? What what are you expecting in terms of technology on, on cannabis and also the consumer's um, mindset on these new technology coming in? You know, uh, what's interesting is each market is totally different. So I could talk about, say, the California or the Colorado market in one context of, of technical advancement. And then you go into one of these new markets, you know, Missouri, Maryland, New York, New Jersey, they're just getting started. And yes, some of the technology players will start participating in those markets. But, you know, in a lot of ways, the sophistication starts at zero. You got to build back up in each and every market. Um, but I do expect these trends to continue. The um, larger uh, traditional players are beginning to get a little bit more comfortable experimenting in the cannabis space. So as more legalization you know, continues, you've got, uh, what, 21 states now legal uh, recreationally and 38, I believe, uh, medically. So, and, and, you know, you're getting signals from the federal government. They're getting more and more comfortable with this. Uh, so, you start to see some of these larger POS, ERP, and other infrastructure technology players maybe having a quiet spinoff that is them, but not really by name. And you got to dig a little deeper to figure it out. But I think that a lot of those players are starting to dip their toe in. They know it's going to be a huge market. They know it's going to be legalized eventually. And, um, you know, so they're starting to participate one way or, or the other. Uh, and like I said, the integrations will continue. You'll have, you know, more of this unification. Um, you know, we expect to be part of the glue that stitches together a lot of these disparate technology stacks where we can pass information from, uh, these, these different tools that people use at different stages in the supply chain. Uh, so we'll help with that as well. Uh, so that these new platforms or even the legacy ones can focus elsewhere. You know, we'll take care of this chunk of information passing through and you can focus on other things. So so what is the power of the smart QR code when you say you're trying to unify everything mm -hmm. like from the beginning to end? Uh, I know that the problem right now with what they're experiencing is that it can't be like the... Uh, the grocery store where, you know, it's, it's seamless. So what, what do you, um, what can you say about that? Yeah. So some of the nuances in cannabis include, you know, this concept of seed to sale tracking, it's a zero loss system. So your viewers are probably aware of this, but you know, you can't just say I made somewhere around this number of products with this harvest, right? There's a tracking number that goes on each plant. Then there's a tracking number that goes on the harvest. There's a tracking number that goes on the oil. There's a tracking number that goes on the gummies and the vapes that were made from that oil. And then finally, there's a tracking number when you ship 10 cases of these gummies to a retailer, there's another tracking number that governs those 10 cases, right? So every step along the way, 
there's information that needs to be captured and carried through the supply chain, which is very different, as you said, from the typical grocery experience. You could put a QR code on a product at manufacturing on you know, a typical CPG product, and the retailer could use that uh, that that QR code or barcode because they don't need to add this layer upon layer upon layer of tracking information. So one of the things that Lucid Green takes care of, it's a major, major problem, is at this critical step of I've built, you know, I'm a manufacturer, so I've controlled the product up until manufacturing. I put on here all the stuff I was supposed to, all those different numbers, right? I package it up, I put it into cases, then I get an order. How do I get the order number, which needs to be on this unit, onto each unit if it's already in cases, right? So what they do is they put it on a manifest, they send it to the retailer. When the retailer takes that product in, now the retailer has to get that number onto each unit. Major, major inefficiency here. So Yeah, the because that's a lot of work. They have to take out every single unit. They have to print out uh, barcodes or QR codes, hand sticker every single unit. And it's a major cost. I mean, some of our retailers say they lose ten dollars to $20,000 per month per location. They have a, a bud tender, you know, a poor bud tender sitting in a windowless room somewhere <laughs> you know, with their fingers <laughs> bleeding, just stickering stuff. So um, what Lucid IDs allow you to do is you can pull information from or add information to these codes all along the way. So when you get that order, we can automate the capture and delivery of that order ID. So at Ingest, the retailer will just scan a QR code and automatically intake those 10 cases of product. And at checkout, they're going to scan that same code. They don't need another sticker. They're going to scan the QR code that the manufacturer put on five steps earlier. So we're able to use one code. And we already talked about the consumer side. So that same code, right? You don't need another QR code for your consumer engagement. You don't need another QR code for your bud tender training. You don't need another QR code for your um, distributor to get the information they need. It's all the same code. So we like to talk about it as the intelligent UPC of cannabis um, or, you know, one code to reduce costs, increase transparency and drive revenue. It does all of these things. Um, and it's just that flexibility that allows it to um, almost transform itself, depending on who's interacting with it at which stage in the process. That's pretty amazing. So it's like, one code to rule them all. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The the, the Middle Earth code. Um, yeah, one code to rule them all. So I have not tried, you know, scanning the QR code that, um, the smart QR code of Lucid. So let's say, for example, yeah. I, I'm a consumer. I bought a vape. I scanned mm -hmm. it. So there would be like a lot of tracking numbers that would explain this came from this one. This is how to do it if you're a beginner. And the, yeah, this is I'm, the batch. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you actually phrased it that way. So what's what what we've been able to do is the consumer doesn't care about tracking numbers, right? 
They don't care about that stuff. The, the brand certainly does. They have all of these compliance requirements that they need to follow or they're going to get shut down. The distributor, same thing. The retailer, same thing. We'll deliver the, uh, the, the tracking numbers and all of the raw data that their systems need in order to remain in compliance and perform their functions efficiently. When it gets to the consumer though, it'll be a complete consumer experience. So a very consumer-friendly introduction to the product that you're holding in your hand. So I scan and it says, this is the product you're holding in your hand. Straight from the brand, this is why we built it this way. This is the strain we used. These are the terpenes that are present. These are the cannabinoids that are present. Um, we grew it in this kind of way on these farms and you know so on and so forth. Here's the dosage guidance. Um, here are some reviews and how other people have used this product. Maybe that matches up with the way that you would like to use this product. And then finally, the COA information on the last page where we provide the actual scientific document that comes as a result of a test. Now, it's really reassuring to a consumer to see that there and see all the stamps and signatures, but it's a scientific document, right? So in addition to that, we provide a consumer version of those results. So a summary of the tests that were performed, a check, you know, a green check mark like passed, right? That's really all the consumer needs to know. It was tested for pesticides and passed. It was tested for toxins and passed. It was tested for microbials and so on. <clears throat> then we'll show the actual as tested THC levels. So you know that that can be quite different depending on the market it could be vastly different. So I've bought um, gummies before. The package said 100 milligrams. And I looked at the test cert and it tested at 144 milligrams. Like that's not an <laughs> insignificant difference, right? Um, that's a huge difference. Especially with gummies. And depending on the market, you could have a 10% variance and it, it's different. But um, nevertheless, you get the actual as tested amounts for everything. So THC, CBD, even cannabinoids that many consumers have never heard of, CBG, CBN. CBN. And, and next to those results, you'll have the actual as tested amount, but a question mark. You can click on and it says CBN is. CBG is. This is what it's expected to do. So again, this is a consumer result, right? So we're trying to deliver to the consumer the best possible experience for every one of these products that they buy. So all the information directly from the brand, dosage guidance, reviews. This is how other people have used this product. Maybe you want to use it in the same way. Here's the test results. Here's what these things are supposed to be doing for you. Here's the expected um uh it, you know action of these terpenes and cannabinoids maybe so over time a consumer can look at he, these are the things that i've really enjoyed you could look at those results now and say you know what i i, I do have anxiety and this has the these two terpenes that are expected to reduce anxiety. And so do these four other products that I also like. So from now on, I'm gonna look for products that are high in these two terpenes. <clears throat> so one of the things that we heard, you know, five years ago when we started this company, we heard from retailers, from brands, from experts in the industry was this incredibly um, 
uh, unbalanced reliance on THC levels. And virtually every market suffers from this because of the way regulations are set up. THC is like the big bolded thing that you see. So consumers are naturally driven to sort of think that something that's higher in THC must be better. So a lot of products are sold almost exclusively on THC levels where most experts know and scream from the mountaintops that what actually gives you the feeling, the, either the good feeling or the bad feeling, if you didn't like the product, is the entourage effect, the combination of THC, the other cannabinoids that are present in all of the terpenes. And it's that combination that consumers really should be analyzing and buying their products from. A lot of the best products on the market are not super high THC levels. They're just really high quality plants and they used high quality extraction methods to retain the terpenes and retain the cannabinoids. That's why it is so good for you, right? So uh, the, it, part of this um, on our part is an effort to do well for the industry here to provide the information that allow consumers to make the right kind of assessment. Why am I um, you know, leaning towards these products and leaning away from these products? And, and this is, you know, we're on a path here to amassing information that the consumer can use for their own benefit, the brand can use to build better products, better target their marketing uh, and, and retailers as well in the same light. So I, I really like that. And I was thinking that maybe, you know, the next app, the next technology for Lucid Green would be to create an app for the consumer where after they scanned it, it will record what they bought and they could like, it would be like a diary for them. Like, oh, I bought this. I like this. And, you know, um, in the future, I'm gonna, I'm going to buy this. And yeah. one of the things that I liked about the the concept of the smart QR code is that, you know, I don't know what CBG is. So there's a question mark. So yeah. you're taking it a step further by educating the consumer. That's right. So what's interesting, Clarissa, I, like you're on target perfectly. Maybe you should uh, be a part <laughs> of our product team. We actually have that already. So oh. when you scan the QR code, it automatically goes into a diary, uh, which um, will we'll record every product that you've scanned and uh, put it into what we call your stash cabinet. Oh, so a cloud stash cabinet. Yes. Okay. So your stash cabinet is now arranged by purchase date. So let's say, for example, you're standing in a dispensary and you're like, oh, what was that? product I had, it was like a month ago, you could open up Lucid, go into your stash cabinet, scroll back a month by the day. Ah, there it is. You know, it was the plus gummies. I'd, I'd like to have plus gummies, please. Now you can take another step. You can favorite that plus gummy, Ooh. just click a star. And now you have a list of favorites. So when you're standing in the dispensary, you just go into your favorites and go, all right, I want to pick up some gummies. I want to pick up some uh, a vape and I want to pick up some pre-rolls. And you just find your favorites in those categories. I'll take the following. We can take it a step further and you can create custom lists. So I was a patient when I started. So this one um, I built for me basically, um, which allows you to make 
a custom list. I have three kids and they were a lot younger six years ago when I had my accident and I was using cannabis to treat, uh, which is how we started the company in the first place, uh, or at least how I got involved. Um, and I can now create a no smoke, no pain list. I literally have that list in my stash cabinet. It's called no smoke, no pain. So I didn't wow. want to smoke around my children, right? And But I was also treating some very serious pain. So this was where I put my gummies. I put my tinctures. I put my RSO oils. Um, so anything that I could consume without smoking and sort of, you know, contaminating the air around my family, um, I put in there. So you could make a custom list for anything. You could do your sleepy time list. You could do your, I want to get work done list. You, you know, I want to clean the house list. I want to write a good song list. Um, kind of unlimited. So maybe I'm just thinking about it because I'm always thinking about, you know, these kinds of tech. So maybe the next thing would be like, it would be, you know, a song playlist where like, Hey, Paul, you're my friend. Can you share to me your playlist? I mean, your yeah. cannabis um, list, like what do you use? And is it is yeah. it like, can you just like share it and email it to your friend? I don't know. We that actually have share. We actually have share. Oh, they already have there. that. So yeah. is that is that an app that they need to download? Yeah, okay. it's called the Lucid ID app. L-U-C-I-D uh, ID. Lucid ID. And um, so you can go, it's on iOS, it's on Android, you can download that. Now, I will um, mention that it really doesn't make much sense, the app itself, unless you have a product to scan, right? So what we don't do is it's not a marketplace. It's not like Weed Maps, which is super valuable, where you can go and you can learn about all different kinds of products from all different brands. Our app is specifically for the brands that you buy that have Lucid IDs on them. And you can scan and interact deeply with the product in your hand. It's timely information about either what you're thinking about buying or what you just bought. Or maybe you're back at home and you forget everything the bud tender told you. Think about Lucid ID app as the bud tender in your pocket, always with you. You scan that Lucid ID and it delivers all the things that we were just talking about. So, um, you know, for your listeners and viewers that are in California, uh, Colorado, um, we're uh, in some places in Michigan, we're moving into all of these new markets. We're soon to be in New York as that market gets off, off the ground, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, they'll find some products with Lucid IDs on and that's when it's really going to hit home. And I encourage them to reach out to their brands and perhaps their retail partners as well and just say, hey, listen, I, I really like this experience. I'd like to have you know, more products that have this access to all this information. Uh, and you know, we'll we'll gladly get those brands on board and you know, sign everybody up. Um, and and I think also that um what's happening here is that you're your the brands are bringing in loyalty because let's say for example i'm in a dispensary and i'm scanning this you know this has a lucid id the other one doesn't i already know i'm getting not um you know that doesn't have a lucid id i might not be getting 
that much information. So I'm like, oh, well, let me just check all the stuff that has a Lucid yeah. ID. <laughs> so, so it's easier for the consumer. Once again, you nailed it, Clarissa. That that is part of that brand value. So you've got, um, particularly in the markets that we've been um, uh, in for quite some time, like California, you know, we've got over 300 brands. We've got tens of millions of products out there with Lucid IDs on them. So more likely than not now, a consumer's already seen Lucid IDs. They know the value underneath. So on par, everything else being equal, one has the code, one doesn't. That's just another reason to go with the one that does. Further on the aspect of loyalty, we can actually turn it into a true loyalty experience for the brand. So where you have, <clears throat> very commonly, you've got retailer loyalty, right? You buy a certain amount, you get discounts uh, when you go back. There's very little in the way for brands to provide loyalty to their customers. So through this code, we can set up a brand loyalty program. So when you scan this code the next time, you get an offer from, this is Rove, and they actually have a really, really cool loyalty program. <clears throat> so anybody in a market where Rove is sold, go buy a Rove product and scan one of these codes. <clears throat> when you scan that code, you'll get an offer from Rove that says, hey, you just earned 30 bud points. Um, you know, you collect some number of these points and you can buy a hat, a t-shirt, a rolling tray. They even go all the way up and their store changes um, quite a bit over time. But I've seen TVs on there. I've seen electric bikes, electric skateboards. It's super cool. Like they have the coolest um, loyalty program. So, you know, now all of a sudden the brand has a true deep loyalty connection to the consumer where before they probably had no idea who these consumers were, right? So when the product leaves manufacturing, it basically disappears in the eyes of the brand. They might get a signal when it's sold, just a you know, checkbox, like you sold another product here and then you get results at the end of the month, but you don't know who those consumers are. You don't know why they bought. You know, all of this information is kind of locked up somewhere else. Now you've got access to that consumer. They've joined your loyalty program. You can ask them questions. You can actually send uh, in-app notifications through the Lucid ID app and say, hey, noticed you bought this product uh, or maybe these four products. Just wanted to let you know, we've got a gummy line coming out soon that uses the same strain. You know, Just so you know, it'll be at this store and this store. Or maybe before that, you could say, um, hey, consumer, you're one of our most loyal customers. We'd love for you to weigh in. We're going to build a new gummy line. We could use this strain or this strain, which one would you prefer? Or this flavor, this flavor, this flavor. So this connection to the consumer, very, very hard for brands to build products the way that normal CPG does with market research and know your customer. Now they've got an avenue to know their customer, build that relationship. But brand affinity is almost non-existent in cannabis, right? You walk in and you're like, ah, oh, they don't have that brand. Well, I'll just take a gummy that's similar, uh, you know, whatever. So helping brands build that brand affinity is an important part of the platform as well. That's that's pretty that's pretty cool. And and it's it feels like what you're talking about, Rove, is like they're doing like a punch card where, you know, in the old school days, I buy ice cream and there's like a punch card. Like if you buy like 
five more, you get a free one. That's and right. so that's what's happening um, with your app. So I did, actually didn't know about that there's an app for the consumers. Because the whole time I thought it was just, you know, for the manufacturers from retail, wholesale. Right. One code to rule them all. <laughs> and, yeah. and well, I guess, I guess the challenge now is for the cannabis brands to get to know that there's a technology like that out there to yep. like ease the burden of the marketing or, you know, like, Hey, you can, you can reach out to your consumers this way. That's right. It's, it's kind of an interesting sort of version of pay it forward, right? When a brand adopts this technology, they're making it easier on their distributors. They're making it easier on their own salespeople. They're making it easier on the retailers. They're making it easier on the consumers. And, you know, virtually everybody from that point forward has a better experience with your product, whether it's a partner moving inventory or it's a consumer just wanting to have a particular experience. So, yeah, we, you know, it is a matter of brands knowing that this is available. And in a lot of markets, retailers are actually requiring brands to put codes on pack to perform one of the myriad of functions that our codes perform. So the brands are, and and in most cases, it's not automated, right? So our codes go on the compliance label. You're already putting that on. It's fully automated. So you're putting on the same sticker you normally do. It has all of this stuff added to it now. Whereas when a retailer says, hey, you got to put this code on, you know, when we were talking earlier, you got to unpack the case. That code does one thing. It delivers a number. And that number goes into the POS and that's it. So if you got to put a code on, it might as well be the one that connects you to the consumer, that streamlines the, the data sharing through the entire supply chain that makes it easier on your retailer, not only to get this order ID on pack, but um, you know all of the other inventory management that a retailer has to do. Um, inventory audits, we can streamline inventory auditing with these codes. Um, uh, uh, FIFO, right? First in, first, first in, out, first out. Right. So maintaining, making sure that your teams are maintaining uh, the first in, first out rules that that you might have in place. Um, you know, there's a there's a whole myriad of things that these codes can do, and we're really only scratching the surface. Like it's, <clears throat> we've done what we can do thus far to get into the market and deliver a set of value that's understandable that's immediately applicable. And from here, we want to work with our brand and retail partners, as well as consumers, by the way, consumers who are listening and watching this, please reach out and let us know what you think and what we can improve on. But, you know, those brands and retailers that we're engaging with now, we're in constant contact with them. Okay, now, what do we tackle next? What's the next thing that that we can approach? So we're working with a brand right now in Michigan on recalls. So there's a requirement in the Michigan market that's fairly unique that they need to comply with the FDA rules around um, consumables, edibles. And um, so FDA rules are what they are for foodstuffs, right? But there's a specific requirement that the CRA is going to police whether or not you have uh, recall mechanisms in place, whether you're delivering allergen oh. and full ingredients about your products, right? So not just here's the level of THC, but it was made from cacao 
sourced here. It was made from milk and eggs and all of these things need to be tracked in case, who knows, there's salmonella in the eggs. We need yeah. to recall these things. So now we're working with a major uh, partner in Michigan to use these same codes and all of the infrastructure to digitize all of this recall. And what's so cool about this is, you know, we can virtually eliminate the manual steps that, I mean, it takes hours and hours to do what they're having to do there now manually. Um, we could not only do what they're doing just to track and be able to kind of issue a recall, but we could take it further. So let's say you issue a recall digitally. It, every one of these codes shows a result that says, hey, this product has been recalled. So if a consumer happened to already buy one before the recall goes out, you scan, it says, whoa, 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 hang on a second. This has been recalled, right? So we've got that mechanism for the consumer. At retail, they're scanning an inventory. Maybe they haven't heard about the recall yet. That scan can say, whoa, whoa wait a second. This has been recalled. Further, as consumers get this message and it says, bring this back to your retailer, the retailer can scan this back in as part of the recall and say, ah, I've got another one that goes into this recall bucket. So now the regulators not only know that the recall has been issued, but they know how many products from that batch that got out into the market have been reclaimed. That's pretty awesome. And so is that a new rollout and has that been applied to... Uh, or is it we just are Michigan? working on that. We are working on that uh, right now. So we're literally, you know, uh, th this is something that we've considered in the past, but this is a great example of how it's just the tip of the iceberg with the capabilities of this platform. We can continue to add benefits. And when we engage with this particular uh, 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 partner in Michigan, they brought this up and we said, absolutely, we can do this. So we're working with them to match up our capabilities with the requirements of the state and what would be most efficient for them, what would be most efficient for their partners and what would be most safe and effective for ultimately the consumer. And so we're literally matching this up right now in real time. We've got meetings. In fact, I'm leaving this meeting to go into a pre-meeting for, for this <laughs> That's that's pretty good because you know if you recall an item, sometimes you got to email the person or you just got to put it out there, maybe on TV or on the newspaper that hey, if you bought this, you got to return it. But with an app, they're like, hey, you bought the vape, you got to return it. You know right. that's pretty pretty easy. And for the for the consumer side, I'm like, I'm assured that that the brand has safety in mind. That's you right. know. Yeah. That's right. It's another layer of that brand trust. Um, I think, again, that's what that pay it forward really comes back in spades because you've got all of these benefits you're passing on. And in the end, the consumer goes, you know what? These guys are awesome. These guys are awesome. And, and not only that, it reflects on the retailer too. You went and bought this at a store and you probably ascribe some of your experience with this product to that store. So the store gets a lift just because they sold your product there and it had all of this great stuff. Oh, and by the way, you don't have a big, ugly white sticker covering this package anymore. You know, by the time cannabis products reach shelves in some markets, there's three, sometimes four. So you can barely see what the product is. Um, all that stuff goes away. The last sticker that goes on should be the regulatory label. That's it. You don't need anything else. 
if the distributor needs to track bin locations or um, inventory movements internally, they can use Lucid IDs to do that. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So um, I love that you connected the whole thing. Now, what is your connection to cannabis? Because you said you had an accident. You know, it's always yeah. uh, one thing after another, but my my first experience was I went to Amsterdam and the dude gave me a welcome joint at the reception and said, and he said, and joint, you know, instead of enjoy and joint and like we smoked it, but that, that was my first experience. Yeah. So, so how about you? So for me, I, um, you know, back in the day in college, I, uh, I, I did use cannabis fairly regularly. I played hockey at a high level division one, got beat up all day long. And in retrospect, I think I was probably self-medicating. I was in a very stressful major at the same time. So uh, very demanding coursework on top of um, just getting my butt kicked day in and day out. Um, but, you know, I had a family and I wasn't quite so intensely challenged. And, and um, so cut to six years ago, I was skiing in Montana um, bizarre circumstances. I ended up breaking my leg in 17 places. Wow. And it, uh, was far more than, ah, darn, I'm laid up for six weeks. Um, I was in the hospital in Montana for eight days. Uh, they were at, uh, for the first four or five days, amputation was a possibility. Um, crazy. Yes. And, I had what's called compartment syndrome. We don't need to go into it, but um, they did some crazy surgeries to try to save the leg. And thankfully they were successful. They metaflighted me after eight days in Montana back to Boston, where I was in the hospital for another seven or eight days, where they put me back together again. So like after, um, yeah, exactly. So after all of this, uh, I was on a boatload of opiates. Um, when I came out of the hospital, um, 23 screws, three plates, a lot of bone pain, which is very, very deep pain. I was on 46 milligrams of Dilaudid, which is two and a half times the clinical definition of opiate dependency. Wow. So what junkies take when it doesn't work anymore, right? This is day one out of the hospital. So I didn't want to go down that path. And I had um, on the trip we were on in Montana, one of the guys from California had gummies and chocolate. And when they were packing up to go home, you know, day three, I'm in the hospital. They're going home now. I'm staying. I said, could you pack my stuff and throw those gummies and chocolate? I heard you could use cannabis to treat pain and get off of opiates. <clears throat> and um, I get out of the hospital and I remembered, wait, I told my wife, go get those gummies, you know? And she's like, no, you're going to kill yourself. It's like, that's exactly what I'm trying to not do. So over weeks, I started experimenting. And my friend from California was mailing me this stuff, committing a felony on my behalf uh, until I got my card, my medical card. And um, I figured it out. I was able to titrate down off of opiates so fast that my doctors were yelling at me. Like, you can't just come off of this stuff. Uh, you know, you got to wait for us. Like, I don't understand how you're managing your pain right now. And if you get behind it, it's going to be bad and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, it worked. 
my partner, Larry, and I had met in my previous company, supply chain company, Internet of Things, a lot of the stuff that we do now in cannabis. He called me and we hadn't talked in about a year. And he said, he's uh, South African. He said, Paul, I've got the perfect idea. You know, British accent. Yeah, we're, uh, don't worry, you know, it's in cannabis and you're, you're not going to ruin your career. Attitudes are changing. And I said, Larry, hang on one second. Let me just interrupt you and tell you what's happened since we last spoke. I'm in. Like, I've been doing this already. I am the consumer, right? And here's what I've been doing. And he was thinking about this, the supply chain side and the brand value and the retailer value. And I was wholeheartedly coming at it from the consumer perspective. Like as a consumer, I had no information as to how to do this. There was barely any information as to how this product was made, how it was going to make me feel, you know, all of the testing information, authenticated, none of that stuff really existed. Um, and so anyway, that's how we, that's how we got here. It was amazing. Like when he called, I was like, that is the universe saying, this is yes. where you belong. Yes. So, so it was kind of meant for you though, in a way. For yeah. sure. For sure. And what was interesting is I, I told you, um, when we chatted earlier, I was from this small town in Massachusetts and people heard about my injury. Um, there's a really cool piece of this where the flight was not covered by insurance. It was $25,000. <clears> and unbeknownst to me, my sister put together a GoFundMe thing. Like maybe we can get a few thousand dollars and take the sting out of it. My community Um, sorry, this happens every time I should have known. Um, I just, I find it so remarkable. Um, my community and my friends and, and family put this thing together and raised $25,000 in like three days. So anyway, sorry, they flew me home for free. So all of these people knew about my injury as a consequence, like I'm at the gym four weeks later and they're like, what are you doing here? Like, Last time we saw you, you were like near death. Like you looked like you were incoherent and you're at the gym and you're coming to your daughter's soccer games. And um, I was like, cannabis, cannabis, cannabis. Like I just, I was no longer shy about it. I was like, I'm going to scream it from the rooftops. And so many of those people reached out to me after and said, listen, I've got this knee surgery coming up and I don't want to take opiates or I've been drinking a lot and I don't want, you know, I'd rather replace a glass of wine with a gummy. Like, how do I do this? Grandma doesn't want to take her back meds anymore. And so I had started to write down all of these things and log these experiences and what should people be using and how to match these things up. Um, so by the time Larry had called, I had already built all these spreadsheets and things to make, because I just, I had all these people calling me. I got tired of writing down the same thing. So anyway, that's the, the I love your story. Thank you for sharing it. Um, so you basically had uh, a ready response when somebody would call you and say, hey, can you help me out? Right. And so you're the go-to now for, for your community there in Michigan. Yeah. Maybe you should do more like speaking. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Massachusetts. Maybe you should do more speaking engagements and, you know, yeah let them know how 
how you how cannabis has helped you um yeah you know not get that dependency uh with the opioids because the opioid crisis is real like i have so many friends who are into yeah. that now so when you were doing the cannabis and you know you you got yourself off the opioids when you're you were dosing yourself with the cannabis did you think there was a dependency with the cannabis with the cannabis um no in fact the opposite happened for me um <clears throat> when i was on uh, you know when i first started titrating down so i went from 46 milligrams of dilated plus one gummy right uh and then i but one gummy didn't quite do the trick right so i my my dose when i was really injured early was like 25 milligrams and i took edibles because edibles match the duration of opiates so it's about a three hour duration for both every three hours an alarm would go off and i would take 12 pills right so the way that the way that i started is i would replace one or more of those pills with a certain amount of edibles because they would wear off around the same time i would take the other pill and it would on uh, on it would go so what was interesting is as i came off of the opiates my dose went lower, which was the opposite of what I expected. And so, you know, for me, and by the way, there may be some people watching this, like I'm a lightweight, I admit it. Okay, fine, I'm a lightweight. Um, but, um, cause some people take 25 milligrams, they're like, whatever, I take 50, 100, um, certainly not me. So it went down. And I think it was, as I got more and more coherent coming off of the opiates, combined with, I didn't have as much pain to treat anymore, right? I was getting better. And I just didn't need that, 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 um, you know, the active ingredients from the cannabis wasn't going to treating that pain. It was just getting me really high. So I was just getting too high. So I kept coming down and down and down as I went down off of opiates, I went down off of cannabis as well. So where I ended up, my dose is five milligrams. So, wow. Yeah, there was no dependency on cannabis. One of the interesting things I read along the way was the cannabinoid, the endocannabinoid system in our bodies um, has this interesting aspect to it where, you know, it needs to be turned on. So, you've heard of people who, um, I smoke, I, you know, I smoked a joint one time, it doesn't work for me. Right. But then like the third or fourth time they smoke, they're like, oh, my God, like I'm so high right now. So if you haven't really used your endocannabinoid system, your receptors are sort of not active yet. Right. So there's that aspect of it. You do have the ability to overdo it and shut some of these things down too. your body's way of saying. I don't I can't be this high. I can't escape the tiger. Right. Sort of evolutionary thing. And so you can get dependent in the sort of traditional way, um, but you can fix that. So I read this article and I've actually shared it with a bunch of friends who had really high doses. And one of them even reached out and said, dude, I tried your thing. Like I used to be 50 milligrams and I hated it because it was really expensive. Now I'm down to like 15 because I sort of trained my body to not need as much and I get the full experience, the same thing I was feeling before from less. 
So in any case, I've kind of maintained this dose, partly because I want to, because I don't want to be dependent on the really high dose and then it just never stops. And, and I find no ego and pride and being the one who can eat the hundred milligram gummy. I don't care. You can do that. I'll be the cheap date. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it was the opposite for me. I, I, I learned how to not have a cannabis dependency, if you will, or at least recognize the ability for us as humans to manage that. What year was that accident? Uh, that was 2016. So 2016, what was the situation with Massachusetts? Did they still have that stigma that if you're a user, you're a stoner, you're no good? No, what is the? They had just legalized medically. Um, and they had three, maybe two um, dispensaries that were available, two or three. One of them was Netta in Brookline, which is nowhere near me, right? So it's probably an hour and 15 minutes from my house. That's where I had to go to get cannabis when I was first a patient in 2016. Thankfully, I had a caregiver. In Mass, you can have two caregivers who, who can procure uh, cannabis on your behalf, uh, who worked in Boston, which is right next to Brookline. So he would get stuff for me so I didn't have to always make that drive. Well, that's a good hookup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was pretty happy that he was my caregiver, I think. Oh, that's pretty good. And and one of the things that I'm curious too is, uh, do you does your kids know that you're using? They do. They do. Um, I decided early on that, um, you know, I wanted to be honest, and it's an important part of my perspective as a parent to um, to not be two different people to my kids, right? So they think you're one way and then they discover dad did what, right? So, you know, I, I also do not want my kids to drink and do all of these things, right? So, you know, there's an age and I haven't really decided on it yet, but, you know, it's not going to be like, do whatever you want. But um, I let them know right away. I had young kids. So at the time, uh, let's see, I had an eight-year-old and two five-year-olds. Um, so I didn't want somebody finding a gummy on the floor and scarfing it down, right? You know, who knows, right? I didn't want them to find a package and, and, and I'm careful. And I actually had a gun case. I kept everything locked in, but you never know. Things could happen. And, um, and over time, they became more and more aware of exactly what that meant. But I would, you know, tell them daddy's in the cannabis business. Um, we put a, uh, a technology on the packaging to make it safer and easier for people to get access to this medicine. And some people use this medicine to fix things that are wrong with their bodies. And some people use this medicine to just feel good. Um, similar to people drinking alcohol. So now they understand that it's sort of on par with alcohol. So yeah, I was upfront with them. Um, you know, I kind of have it around, um, not like spread out or on the counters or anything, but I don't take great pains to lock it up anymore. Um, mm -hmm. They know it's off limits, just like there's a beer in the refrigerator and there's a bottle of wine on the counter. That's not for you. You don't touch that. Uh, for us and our family, that's that's the way it is. 
And I think uh, educating them, like what you're doing, is a, a very important part of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I make it clear that for um, still developing uh, humans, right, kids, your mind is still forming all of these important connections. Um, you know, studies have shown that it's not good for developing minds. And I share that in a scientific context. I think that our kids can understand that stuff. I think that it really matters to them. So just coming down and saying, uh, here we are talking about parenting now, but but really in the context of cannabis, it's like, you know, scientifically, this is going to hurt you in the long run. And I think they understand that a lot better than don't do that. It's not for you. You're not allowed to do that. Like, it's just, it's the same message, but the tone is a lot different. And I, and I think it's been very successful for us, at least. Well, I, that's the same thing that my mom told me when I had our son. My mom was like, you know, from 1 to 18, you tell them what to do. But from 18 up, all you could do is guide them and they have to decide. Nice. on that and and i think that's pretty true because especially i think uh your children and and our son is kind of like the same like strong will like why do i have to do this why why what's you know they need to know what's behind um, all right. these do's and don'ts from mom and dad that's right it's um uh that, that you know sort of bleeds into all of these other aspects of our lives and our parenting but but that's true, like eating healthy and, you know, all of my kids play sports and these things are related. And, you know, we had twins and they were born a little bit early and they're a little bit shorter as a consequence. They'll grow, they'll have their growth spurt, but like eating healthy will help turn those systems on at the right time and make sure that you reach your full potential in terms of height and strength. And so it's not just like eat your peas, you know, it's like, this is yeah. why there's a reason for this, right? It's something that I'm not sure we all got when we were kids. Um, it was it was the, because I said so was like 99% of the time was the answer. Yeah, uh, I get I got that. Yeah. Um, what I got was because you're living in my house. Yeah. Exactly. So it's my rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. well, Paul, I I hope you will um think about creating a book you know, from your experience to cannabis and maybe um, have that as an in inspiration and maybe your kids are going to read that, you know, one day. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. It's been a wild ride, man. There is plenty to go into that book, just being in this industry and all the things that have happened in cannabis and, and seeing an industry be born. Um, it's really, really fascinating. So yeah, it, that would be fun. That would certainly be... Uh, a fun thing to document. Well, thank you so much for, for everything. And before I ask you about where they can reach you at um, Lucid Green, it can give them all your contact details. I'm gonna give you like a fast question kind of thing. So what was the last thing you watched on Netflix? Uh, White Lotus season two. White Lotus? I've never heard of that yet. Oh my gosh, really? Okay, I'm gonna write that down, write that down. Yes, yes, I, I watched Wednesday. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. My daughter's watching that. So I've seen Wednesday, my okay. daughter watching that. Um, White Lotus is not for kids. Okay, okay. So. But I'll, I'll try to check that out. What's one thing most people don't know about you? Um. Uh, 
I played a little bit of professional hockey um, and, you know, not NHL, just uh, as people are Googling me right now. Uh, <laughs> what team? Uh, but I, play, I played in Europe um, and I played very briefly in what's called the East Coast League. It's uh, like double A baseball equivalent for hockey. I played for the uh, Louisville River Frogs. <laughs> Louisville River Frogs. And I okay. get traded. I got traded to the Memphis River Kings. <laughs> I and, like the frogs better. <laughs> okay, what's the next yeah. one? And I and I'll tell you, it was the bus ride from Louisville to Memphis where I was kind of reevaluating my life choices, and uh, <laughs> I think decided to go back to grad school on that bus. <laughs> from being a frog to going to the river, and like, yeah, I yeah. gotta think about my life choices here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where is your favorite place you've ever visited? Oh man, uh, Iceland. Iceland, maybe. Uh, in in grad school, I went to uh, randomly, like a week before, like bought a ticket and went in between semesters. It was incredible. Um, Czech Republic on that same trip, I really enjoyed, but Iceland was just so like foreign you know like everybody's seen the eiffel tower pictures in the Colosseum in rome and like you kind of you go there and it's impressive but i had no idea what iceland was going to be like i had no idea what the czech republic was going to be like so those two were pretty impactful for me so was that the scenery that you love the most the nature stuff um in iceland it was the people really i find icelandic people fascinating it's such a small country um they're really really well educated everybody seems to play an instrument and just be super multi-dimensional um everybody's like tall and gorgeous by the way it's wow it's really i didn't weird. know that <laughs> it's like you walked into like some like fashion shoot you know like what what like wow. and you know, i actually asked somebody about it and the 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 reason and i i haven't actually researched this to see if it's true, but it seems plausible. So the Vikings like built Iceland, right? And they would go and pillage all over Europe, kill everybody except for the tallest, most beautiful women, because it was a sign of your virility to have tall, handsome sons. I see. So they really picked them out to breed. This is the rumor. This is the rumor. So don't quote me on it. Um, you know, somebody's on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> Probably to... like, is yeah. he telling the truth? What is it? Anyway. Okay. Last question. What do you consider the ultimate comfort food? Oh my God. I'm going to Montreal next week. Poutine. Oh my gosh. Is that the fries with the bacon yes. and the mm. fries with gravy and cheese curds? It is the greatest uh, it, and everybody's eating poutine like you go out and like the bars spill out at like 2 30 in the morning everybody's walking around with these little paper cups and french fries with gravy and cheese spilling out i'll be doing wow. that on tuesday next week i love that well eat eat some please for me and think about that <laughs> i will paul so i i know uh we've covered a lot and i love what we talked about was there ever somebody that used the the Lucid app that got back to you and said like, hey, I just turned 21 and I tried it and I did the QR code and this is how it helped me? Did you ever get that feedback? 
We get feedback all the time, actually, um, which is, I think I said this earlier, we really encourage it. We want to have this feedback. We've done market research as well, like reached out to our consumers and said, tell us about it. And what if we added this? What if we added that? Um, but yeah, we've had a lot of folks reach out um, and let us know, hey, this has been great. Um, wouldn't it be cool if like all the stuff that you did probably came directly from somebody just like you who had just been introduced to it and said, you know, it would be even cooler is if we could have a list of all the things that we scanned. And um, so, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's how we build. One of the things I learned at Google was the product management really comes from the customer, right? A bunch of nerds in Mountain View, and I can say that because I was there too, um, <clears throat> shouldn't be the ones deciding how this product operates. It should be the person that is going to be using it. And, um, and so that's the philosophy that we follow at Lucid as well is, um, you know, we are building this for you. You're the one that should be telling us, is it doing what it's supposed to be doing and what can we do to make it better? Yeah. Well, thank you, Paul. And so as, um, as you're very open to feedback, how can the people reach you if they want to contact you? Thank you for that. Um, Paul at lucidgreen.io is my email address. Um, I'm the president, co-founder. Um, and so you can ask me any question you want. I'd be happy to help, uh, particularly if there are brands, retailers, distributors out there that have questions. If you're in a market that we're not in yet, how can we get started in those markets? Um, uh, my phone number, 619-301-1000. That's my cell. So I'm on the East Coast, so mind the time zones. Maybe they would want your autograph from the hockey days and they need yeah. your number. <laughs> Why not? Um, I'd be happy to give it. And then, of course, lucidgreen.io uh, is our website. We've got a wealth of information up there. Uh, we've got a new uh, head of marketing who's doing a tremendous job for us. So we're going to have you know, a bunch of new explainer videos uh, on YouTube and our Instagram is really ramping up. And, and uh, so you'll be able to find us uh, on Instagram, um, on, you know, the various social channels. Uh, and, um, but yeah, lucidgreen.io for, for the latest, that's our website. Yeah. And we'll put it out there too, when we, when we post this, um, episode and I just really want to thank you for taking the time to do this and also kind of like educate the viewers on what's new in the cannabis business especially in 2023 yeah it uh Clarissa this was really fun thank you it was a great conversation I really appreciate you having me on yeah thank you Paul all right cheers thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to the entire episode if you enjoyed it, please help support the show. Hit subscribe and leave a rating and review. See you next week for a new episode.